0: Hello, everyone. This is David of post and Matrix. It is the uh, 24th of August, 2020, and it is barely into the day. It's 1221 in the morning. Um, these late night shows are beginning, beginning to become a habit, and I think it's one that I need to break one of these days because I need to start getting some rest. But um, this has been a, a very conflicting month or so, maybe even longer for me. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, but, uh, and you younger people probably will not be able to comprehend this until you get older. But when you, uh, reach a certain age, you start looking back on your life, at your accomplishments, what you have, could have done differently. Uh, you look at your mistakes and what you could have done to keep from making them. You look at, uh, anything that you might have done which was successful. And then you start wondering if it could have been more successful or if it, uh, um, is it something that you did or is it something that uh, Yahweh had you do and you're taking credit for it. Uh, we, we do that so many times, you know, um, so about this time of year, every year, and even before I, I knew about my, my Hebrew heritage, my Jewish heritage, I, I would still reflect about this time of year, and uh, it might have something to do with going from summer into fall. You know, you're going, going from a time of um, of growing, uh, plant uh, harvesting. Well, harvesting's harvest things in the fall, but planting, growing your your vegetables, watching them to grow, tending your gardens, uh, as the case may be. Or if you you know you're into leisure, you might uh, it might be the summer is the time when you might go out and and fish a lot or or hunt or um boat uh you name it you know water ski whatever um but then you know you you see the summer coming to a close and you realize that uh the season is ending and then uh it's going to start getting cooler and and then um it eventually goes into winter time and uh depending on where you live that can be kind of a brutal time of year um here in Oregon, things have, uh, I don't know, you, you kind of got to throw a coin up in the air and hope that it comes down the right way because you could have very mild years or you can have years where, uh, you know, you're, you're snowed in for a week or so, um, maybe two or three periods of that during the winter. Um, and, of course, they don't do anything to fix the roads here in Oregon during that time. Uh, they don't believe in uh, using uh, salt because it uh, it hurts the environment, supposedly. Although salt's all over everywhere and it's in your soil everywhere and, uh, well, we won't go into that. That's a whole other conversation for another time. And I think we've had that on this, on this show anyway. But, uh, uh, I don't want to take too much time tonight doing this because tonight we're going to have a, a show, uh, where we're going to be, um, all four of us are, are going to be talking about a, an interesting subject and that being, um uh, the 17th chapter of Revelation talks about the woman, the whore of Babylon and how she's drunk on the blood of the state, the saints, excuse me. And, um, when you start looking at the adrenochrome, um, problem here, uh, currently and, uh, how they procure it, where they get it from. And when you see she's drunk on the blood of the saints, you start to wonder, uh, it throws a whole new dimension into what drunk on the blood of the saints could mean. Um, so we're going to talk about that. And that chapter also talks about what, uh, what Jim talks about many times, uh, the uh, resurgence of uh, Adolf Hitler as a man of peace. Um, Cause the scripture talks about a man who was, who wasn't and is again. And, uh, you know, you could, that could be one of many people, but, uh, it seems to fit out of Hitler pretty well, actually. So we shall see. <clears throat> Pardon me, folks. A lot of stuff still going around. Um, I'll tell you. Uh, anyway, so you know, this is this is a time of reflecting, and um, my wife brought something to my attention that I never really knew because I never. Uh, grew up in in the Jewish realm, so to speak, uh, religiously. I never, uh, I knew a lot of Jews, but most of them were conservatives. I didn't know any, um, Orthodox and, uh, uh, the Orthodox are the ones that uh, really get into the oral tradition, the oral law and, um, uh, scads and tons of different, uh, traditions that are held. And, um, she was listening to this one lady talk, and uh this one lady's really neat she's a messianic believer, and uh right now she's going through a battle with cancer and it um, unless the Lord performs a miracle looks like uh she may lose that battle but she will ultimately gain because she's uh she's going to heaven but um anyway uh, the woman was describing how the month before Yom Kippur and let's see uh let, let's look at what we have um coming up this year, because uh, there are some interesting holidays coming up, and and uh, believe me, I'm not trying to convert anybody into Ju- Judaism, because I am a completed Jew, I'm a, um, a believer in Yeshua HaMashiach, or Jesus the Christ, and um, I'm looked down upon by many Jews because of that, and on the flip side, I'm looked down upon by Christians, because supposedly to the Christians, you can't be Jewish and believe in and be a believer, and to the uh, the Jews, you can't be Jewish and be a believer in Jesus. So, it's kind of a harrowing um, midstream that people like me are stuck in. Pardon me while I sip some coffee. Okay. Um, As you know, uh, Jews, and I think some Christian sects, too, like, um, well, Jehovah's Witnesses aren't Christians, so I won't count them. But Seventh-day Adventists, uh, they, uh, they celebrate Friday night and Saturday as the Shabbat, or Sabbath, and, uh, I've run into a lot of neat uh, Seventh-day Adventists, and, um, we have a lot in common. Uh, so, uh, Monday and Tuesday, September 30th, uh, actually, to understand this, you have to understand that uh, the Jewish day begins at sundown. And it ends at sundown the next day. So uh Monday night, September thirtieth, starts Yom Kippur excuse me, uh Rosh Hashanah. Rosh meaning the head and Hashanah meaning the year, so it's the head of the year. And um basically it's Happy New Year <laughs> in, in the Jewish world. And then Yom Kippur is the day of atonement, and then um Not long after that comes uh, Sukkot, which uh, Christians know as the Feast of tabernacles. So um, anyway, but this woman was explaining that uh, a month before uh, Rosh Hashanah, or a month before Yom Kippur, excuse me. I'll get it right. Don't worry. um, That uh, the, the shofar, which is really a ram's horn, and they're neat. I have one. We have two of them here, actually, and they're fun to play. Um, but you don't do it to have fun. You do it only uh, out of reverence during holidays. And there are certain horns you can use, certain you can't. You can't, look. Like for instance, you can't use a cow's horn, although it would be perfect for it because it's hollow and, um, it would make an awesome sound. But, uh, it's too reminiscent of the, uh, golden calf incident in the desert, uh, beneath Mount Sinai. So it's frowned upon. Actually, not even frowned upon. It's not loud. <laughs> um. Well, the particulars that we have are kutu horns uh from a deer like animal over in um Africa and uh they sound really nice it's got a nice sound to it um and if they're if they're uh, carved the right way at the uh, mouthpiece, it sounds even better. Some people try to put almost like a uh, a brass uh, instrument bell uh at that end, and it just doesn't sound good. So you hear the sound, but it sounds like you're blowing air, too. It just doesn't sound good, trust me. Um, so why was the shofar blown? We did a show about that quite a while back. It's It was blown, uh, the horn was blown. Uh, well, let's look at Jericho. When the armies were marching around Jericho, they'd blow the horn all the time. Um, every time they went around. And, uh, the last time they blew it, I think they blew it seven times and the walls came tumbling down. So it's a sign of victory. It's a call to action. It's uh, a call to reverence, uh, depending on what tone is, is blown and what, uh, what tune is, uh, is blown in a show shofar, shofar, um, depends, you know, determines, uh, what holiday it is and stuff like that or vice versa. And, um, so, according to her, which, like I said, I'd never heard before, and I'm still researching, um, every day for 30 days, or excuse me, 28 days, uh, before um, Yom Kippur, you blow the shofar once a day. And actually, I did, <laughs> I did go to a site, um, Chabad.com, uh, and I and I'll read that in a second, but. Let's look at the three, uh, the three holidays first and, uh, say Rosh Hashanah, which is basically the new year. And then, uh, a week later, a week and a day later, actually, is Yom Kippur. That's the day of atonement. Uh, it's a day of reflection, a day of, um, asking forgiveness for the past year's sins. And being a believer in Yeshua, we don't need to do that. Um, but is it true that we don't need to? Is it, do we just automatically not ask for forgiveness for sin anymore that's an interesting question uh with a very interesting answer and then it's a quote or feast or the feast or tabernacles um uh if you read the uh the last part of uh, revelation um uh, you read um, and i I'm gonna probably tear this apart the wrong way but um something like hallelujah because the uh now the uh God has made his dwelling among men and that's basically what uh so it means it's the tabernacle means to to dwell with somebody or live with somebody um uh, when the tabernacle was on earth the ark of the covenant they built they built the tabernacle for it to be housed in and that's where God lived um or his presence or his holy spirit shall i say the shekinah glory but um so uh usually on that holiday uh Jews uh that are serious about the holiday will build a structure somewhere in their yard made of uh made of twigs, uh natural things um uh, that uh symbolize uh tabernacling uh around Mount Sinai and out in the desert during the forty years um that they they wandered. But um uh so that's what's done that day. And it has a dual meaning. Like I said, it uh Actually, it has three meanings, because it's, you know, what I just described. Plus, I do believe it means, uh, when Yeshua came to earth, he was God in the flesh, so he tabernacled among men for three years, well, 33 years, or however long he was here. And uh, he'll come back again and tabernacle amongst men, um, as a lion of the tribe of Judah. Uh, he came as the Lamb of God the first time. Second time, um, you know, it's, it's not going to be a cakewalk. So you're going to have to obey. Um, Anyway, and uh, not long after that, in October, there's celebrating the Torah, Simchat Torah, but that's not a biblical holiday, so we really won't go into that. Uh, Yom Kippur, as I mentioned earlier, is a day of reflection, a day of asking forgiveness, and it's a day of fasting. Um, I and many others like me have changed that because... uh, I've turned it into a feast day or a day when I can eat because I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven by the blood of the lamb that was uh, sprinkled in heaven on the uh, tabernacle in heaven, the uh, Holy of Holies. And um, I'm forgiven of my sins. So, well, yes, I, I still reflect on them and I ask for forgiveness. If I can think of things that I did that were wrong and I ask the issue or Yahweh to... To change my ways, I still confess those things. Um, the Bible says that we're supposed to confess our sins one to another. Uh, I don't see anywhere in in Scripture, in the Brit in the, of uh, the New Testament, where it says, uh, you know, don't don't reflect on your sins anymore because you don't have them anymore and you don't need to ask for forgiveness. Uh, on contrary, it says to confess them to one another. So. Um, and yes, uh, you still are a sinner or you're a sinner saved by grace. Um, and that grace should not be ignored. Many uh, believers tend to, believers in Yeshua tend to ignore that grace and, um and use uh, the sacrifice of Yeshua and the atonement that He made for them as a get out of jail free card. um thus uh, doing anything they want to do and, uh, ended just uh, writing a blank check. Well, Days going to come when uh, we're all judged in heaven, and we will be judged. The the, the righteous will be,
1: but it'll be a righteous
0: judgment. And um, you don't want to. I don't. I don't. I don't want to hear you know you, bad things <laughs> when I get there. <coughs> Excuse me. I know that you know I'm gonna basically it's a judgment to judge your good works. I do believe when we get there and. There's some people that are going to be, um, handed crowns with many jewels and a many, um, many different, uh, varieties of, jewel, varieties of jewels. And there'll be others that'll have maybe one or two jewels in their, uh, their crown. And I'm one of those people that says, Hey, if I just make it by the skin of my teeth, I'll be happy. You know, that's all I do is I want to get there. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm going there, so I'm happy. But, um, anyway, um, I was looking up, but uh, where the heck is it? I uh, I went to, uh, and I use this website a lot, um, mainly to look up holidays and when they are, <clears throat> but also to get some perspectives too. And it's a, an ultra-Orthodox site called Chabad, Chabad.org, uh, C-H-A-B-A-D.org. Um, you know, if you wanted to really... Interface with a rabbi, you could do that there and stuff like that. But don't be surprised because you're going to get some strange answers because uh, rabbinical Judaism is not biblical Judaism. And uh, especially with the Orthodox are concerned. And uh, you're going to get some really weird stuff. So anyway, um, so in regard to the blowing of the shofar, the whole month uh, before Yom Kippur, it says um, the, the month of Elul is a month of preparation for Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. That's why Jews blow the shofar almost every day of the month. Okay, so she wasn't lying. Okay, when to blow the shofar. The, the optimum of the shofar blowing time is right after the morning services, when everyone is still together. Missed it? You may still want to catch the shofar blowing sometime before sundown. Uh, we blow a shofar every day, other than the Shabbat, or Sabbath, which is Friday and Saturday, uh, starting from Elul 1 and ending on Elul 28. We do not blow on Elul 29 the day before Rosh Hashanah. Uh, using a kosher ram's horn, we blow a condensed version of the full sequence blown on Rosh Hashanah. For instance, uh, one long blast, three mid-sized blasts with a tiny blast, nine short blasts, and one long blast. And then, one long blast, three mid-sized blasts with a tiny blast, and one long blast. And then, one long blast, nine short blasts, and one long blast. That's how it's done in Chabad. There are others who just blow the first segment. On Rosh Hashanah, the sequence is much longer, with many more requirements and specifications. This is where we get into the oral law, folks. Okay. I don't recall reading anything in Leviticus saying how many times you have to blow it. Uh, so I don't even recall reading in Leviticus that you have to do it the whole month before um, the whole month of Elul. Um, let's see. So why blow the shofar for lots of reasons? Here are just a few. After Israel sinned with the golden calf, Moses spent 40 days pleading for forgiveness Then he ascended Mount Sinai once again for another 40 days, after which he descended with the second tablets. This asset, which uh, began on the 1st of Elul and lasted until Yom Kippur, was accompanied by shofar blasts. To commemorate this, we blow the shofar during the month of Elul. Okay, the second reason. Elul is the month during which we search our souls in anticipation of the high holidays. The soul-stirring shofar blasts inspire us to come closer to God as we read, Shall a trumpet be blown in the city, and the people not be afraid. Remember I said that they used to blow the shofar when uh, an enemy was approaching? It was a call to arms? Well, that's what that's about. You hear that (laughs) kind of like when you hear an air raid siren. I don't know if you've ever heard one, but if you go down to Sweet Home, it's about seven minutes from here. Um, every once in a while, they'll they'll blow an the air raid siren though, says, off, and you're going, it reminds me of back in the 60s when we had air raid drills, you know, and um, we would have to run to shelters because we we're afraid of nuclear war. Um, okay, and the third reason, or C, blowing the shofar, which is actually a Rosh Hashanah activity for the month in advance, confuses the prosecuting angel who has no idea what day is the real Rosh Hashanah. Hmm, prosecuting angel. That's interesting. Uh, so it's, it goes on It says, huh, how is blowing the shofar for a month going to confuse the prosecuting angel? Nobody ever delivered a Jewish calendar to his door. Wouldn't the crafty angel catch on after a few hundred years? Okay, now bear with me because we're going to get into some Talmud stuff, but it'll help you to understand where where the mindset is here. Um, The Rebbe had a wonderful insight into this. First of all, this isn't the only time we're out out to to defuddle the prosecution. On Rosh Hashanah, we blow the shofar more than necessary. The Talmud tells us, here we go, to confuse the prosecuting angel. On that Talmudic passage, Rashi explains... When the prosecutor sees how we cherish God's commandments going far beyond his strict requirements, he simply has nothing to say. Which is interesting. Have you ever seen a lawyer with nothing to say? Um, Something similar happens when we blow to shofar for an entire month before Rosh Hashanah. By doing so, inevitably we feel remorse over past misdeeds and set ourselves upon a fresh new path. If so, the case is already sealed and we won. God has already inscribed us in the book of life for the coming year, even before Rosh Hashanah. This leaves the prosecuting angel, or, this leaves the prosecutor confused. What's left for him to do when the trial date finally arrives, if you're already forgiven, right? Um, that's the meaning of not knowing what day is Rosh Hashanah. He can no longer tell when a judgment occurs because he proactively look care. Look care or took care of the whole thing on our own accord, sort of a backroom deal between us and God. It's sad to be deceived like that. Um, This is also why we do not blow the day before Rosh Hashanah. But At that point, we are so confident that God has accepted our sincere repentance during the first 29 days that we do not even need to blow it on the last day of the month. And the prosecution is out of a job. it's interesting because they, they equate the uh, prosecuting attorney with Satan. <laughs> uh, because the the title of the article is Shofar During the Month of Evil, how, how and Why and How to Confuse Satan. So at least they're right when they, because uh, what, uh, Satan means the accuser of the brethren. That's one of his, uh, the meanings of Satan. And he's constantly in front of God day and night, um, trying to, get God to make me and you look bad in God's eyes and that doesn't happen because of what Yeshua did for us Um, and again again, that's the uh, definition of insanity is doing the same thing uh, and failing over and over and over again and and doing it again expecting a different result so um, those who say that Satan's insane well (laughs) not too far off Um, and you have to be insane to try to think that being a part of the creation, you could take over the job of the creator and supplant him or supplant him. Um, so anyway, um, I, uh, i looked up a few other things. Let's see. Huh, maybe I didn't. Okay, so, um, it's usually at the beginning of the month of Tishri. Um, and let's see uh questions people ask uh what do you cook before Yom Kippur? doesn't really matter um as long as it's kosher, what time does the fast start? okay, well, it better start at sundown because that's when the day starts, right um well, this year, I guess it's going to start at six o eight p m and it ends at 7:07 or p m the following day. Uh, Remember, it's a Jewish uh, lunar solar calendar. Um, Yom Yom Kippur begins on the ninth day of the month of Tishri and ends on the tenth day. Okay. What's the main purpose? We have already read that. And we know. What does Leviticus say about it? Okay, we read what the rabbis say about it. Okay, so what does God say about it? Uh, Leviticus 16.29 mandates establishment of this holy day on the tenth day of the seventh month as the day of atonement for sins, it calls it the Sabbath of Sabbaths and a day upon which one must ref- afflict one's soul leviticus twenty three twenty seven uh, decrees that Yom Kippur is a strict day of rest now, if you're a messianic like me and you work on weekends or on the day Yom Kippur is there's a special dispensation because we're actually helping people on that day okay um I am not going to go into that. Can you use your phone on Yom Kippur? Um, can Christians celebrate Yom Kippur? The Christian Day of Atonement is based on the English translation of the Jewish Holy Day Yom Kippur. The day is commemorated with 25-hour fast by Jews, but normally a 24-hour fast by Christians who observe it, i.e. Uh, messianics. But we're not really Christians. We're, we're completed Jews. So... Um, and again, it's a day to ask for forgiveness of our sins and to secure our fate. Um, also known as the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Now, um, So anyway, um, I'm bringing this up because, and I don't know if any of you have felt this way, but it's almost like, it's almost like we know looking at the conditions in our country around the world that this pandemic that's going on, um, all the riots that are going on in the cities here in the United States by Antifa and other leftist uh, factions and um, under the direction of George Soros, of course, who was born Jewish but is uh, a self-hating Jew. And, uh, well, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes. He's getting kind of old, and um, when he goes, it's, it's the down elevator. I'm sorry. I think, I truly believe he was born to perdition and he will go to perdition. Um, it has been in perdition these years. Um, so, um, anyway, it, it just seems like things are changing. Like, like we're going from summer, like I mentioned earlier, into fall. And, um, man, I wish I could find it the lord had me write a poem years and years and years ago um <laughs> heck of a time to think about it right right in the middle of the radio show um let's see if i can find it real quick let's see yeah, simcha simcha in hebrew means uh, joy um let's see delusion resistance see if it takes me to that page. okay, but it will not let me do a check. So anyway the, the poem went to talk about um, how we as a society and as a world and in in our um, our current time are moving from um, a time of summer into a time of fall, which will ultimately uh, come out to be uh, the winter. And, uh, you know, in the summertime, we, we go out and have fun, and, and we we, uh, oh, we just do things for recreation. It's, it's a time of life. It's a time of joy. It's a time of uh, just just enjoying life. (laughs) And, um, but when the fall comes, we see the trees, uh, the the leaves start turning and they fall off and the trees go dormant for the winter. And, um, then, uh, you know, the nights start getting colder and, and the days, uh, Oh, I found it. The change of seasons it's called. I haven't read it in years. So maybe we can go off, um, read this and, but anyway, um, so, you know, it's, uh, we see things changing here in the States and around the world. You know, we, although the world has always been a turbulent place to live in, um, there still were good times, uh, along with the bad times, but it seems like as, as time is progressing and it almost seems like it's, it's going from month to month to day to day and now, or week to week and now to day to day, uh, things are, are changing. They're, they're getting worse and um, you know, hopefully things will change around, um, but, uh, you gotta wonder. So anyway, um, so with this change of seasons, you know, you start wondering, you know, it's like, and as you get older, like I said, you start wondering too, because you start to realize, you know, all those aches, aches and pains start adding up and uh, you know, you got a bad back and you wonder, geez, if I'm like this at 61, when am I going to be at 70? Um, the knees are hurting. If they're like this at 61, how bad are they going to be at 70? Um, and things like that. And, you know, and then you start wondering, well, will I live till 70 and, um, all these different, um, scenarios and stuff start going through your head and, and that's not a bad thing necessarily because again, it can help you to plan for things. Um and it can help you to get your priorities straight. Uh, when we're young, and you know, in our 20s and 30s, and even our 40s, we um, we think we're going to live forever, and that uh, we haven't necessarily by that time, or the, in those years, been affected by sickness or or anything like that. And so um, we have that illusion that we're we're going to live forever, and nothing's ever going to get us. Uh, yeah, it might get the other guy, but not us. And um, so we we kind of ignore the future. We don't prepare for the future that much. And, um, unless, unless people are wise, there are wise people out there that prepare at a young age to, for old age. Um, I don't happen to have been one of them. <laughs> um, although I, I, I have always, um, placed my trust in Yahweh and, and know that He's got the best for me. I know that, um, He's going to take care of me day by day. But still, you know, you wonder, you know, should I have done more? But anyway, um, so you start thinking, you know, you see this change of seasons coming in your life and coming in society and everything. And then you start thinking about your kids and your grandkids, you know, what kind of life are they going to have? Should I start doing something to help them so that they can be prepared? Um, believe me, when you get older, it is not a, the golden years are gone, Okay. Um, the golden years are for my dad and for his father's generation and things like that. Um, the golden years for us are, um, very tarnished gold and, um, it's, it's not easy. It's not going to be easy for, uh my generation and the generations that follow. Um, the world is definitely in a downward spiral, excuse me, and, um, that means that um, things are going to get worse and worse as they go along. <clears throat> and that's why um, I do I do believe that the president that we have now, Donald Trump, is here for a reason. Maybe it's to slow that progress a little bit. But, um, you know, he's not going to be around forever. And this younger generation, I mean the really young ones, um, are – really rebelling against uh, everything that has ever been good and that we've stood for for uh, many years and decades and even centuries. And um, they're starting to rebel and turn towards socialism and communism. And pretty soon uh, my generation is going to die out and the next generation is going to have to deal with them. And I don't know if uh, the uh, Gen X people are going to be up to the task. I wonder if my generation's up to the task. to tell you the truth. And the millennials, well, we'll see what happens. Although, you know, God has grace and God can change hearts, and he is changing many millennial hearts. He's really starting to talk to that generation and they're starting to listen because they're starting to get older. But um anyway, so um, you know, I was sitting here and oh, let me read this poem real quick. It's called The Change of Seasons. Uh, the winter season has arrived, and autumn has finally passed. The seasons of God's silence is now surely seen its last. For up to for up for up to now, God has been quiet, holding judgment back. His judgment comes to test the earth, and it will not be slack. He's starting first within the church by cutting off dead wood to separate the evil ones from those who practice good. And when he, excuse me, let me scroll down. When he finds, when he finds those who are righteous and on a narrow way, he'll take away the wolf, he'll take the wolves out of the fold and cast them all away. Then God will turn to those on earth and judgment will ensue and many will choose evil and the righteous will be few. The righteous will be persecuted, martyred for our Lord. A testimony for our God that cannot be ignored. So stand ready, church, for winters here, a time of numbing cold. So live your life unto as unto him. Serve Yeshua and be bold. I ah, was back in November of 1989. 30 years ago, 31 years ago. Almost. Long time ago. Um, anyway. So, see, even back then, I was getting prepared for now. <laughs> um, when I was a kid, my, my parents enrolled me in the Boy Scouts, actually the Cub Scouts first, and then the Weblos, and then I went into the Boy Scouts. It didn't last too long in the Boy Scouts. I kind of got bored there. Actually, I think I got frustrated because they wanted me to tie knots, and I have never been good at tying knots. I've tried and tried and tried and for some reason. I, I must be not dyslexic or something. But, um, anyway, um, uh, one of the things, uh, their motto, the Boy Scouts is be prepared. And I always took that seriously. I mean, be prepared for everything. Look down the road. You know, a lot of people look down the road a week or maybe a month or something like that. And, um, I try to look down several months or even years down the road to see what's happening. And, um. I don't claim to have all the answers, but I've seen a lot I've seen a lot of things happen in my lifetime and I've seen cause and effect and cause and effect have always been and always will be until Jesus comes back or Yeshua returns and and um and runs things his way instead of allowing the world to run in a mode of entropy um but um so being prepared is very important and Um, I know a lot of times I, a lot of times I'm told, well, you know, you're too careful or, you know, and and things like that or, you know, you think too much. I've been told that a number of times, you think too much. Um, Or, you know, it's, you you can't take it with you. That's another one. Well, I don't have anything to take with me anyway, so I don't know what that's all about. (laughs) But anyway. Anyway. I think it's very important to look ahead. Now, a lot of people would say that's that's not faith, you know, because even Jesus said, you know, just worry for today because tomorrow has enough worries for itself. Well, I'm not necessarily worrying. I'm just trying to be prepared. Um, and I think there is a big difference there. OK. Um Jesus talked about the uh, the ten virgins. Five had the oil and five didn't. The five who had the oil were prepared. The five who didn't weren't. And when the bridegroom came, they didn't have oil for their lamps and they couldn't go into the ceremony. Right. So say what you will. But Jesus does expect us to be prepared. Yeshua is very adamant that we be prepared for everything. And uh, <clears throat> matter of fact, he knows that some people are that way so much that he uh he talked in parables and he he uh was adamant about not setting dates or even times and dates because he knew people would try to figure things out. So, um, anyway, um, so it was uh, neat. A few years ago, about three years ago at work and they haven't done it since. And I don't know why, you know, they'll, um, they'll accommodate every other religion on the face of the earth, pagans, Wiccans and everything else. But, uh, you know um, oh it must have been 3 years ago now i uh i found out that they, uh they had a room set up at work where um those of us of the the Jewish persuasion could could go in and just reflect and it was really a nice time because i it was a hectic day you know i work in a very hectic and um workplace where you know things can go bad really quick really fast and and really bad <laughs> um And, uh, so to have that half hour or so, just to sit in there and reflect and, and to, uh, to think about, you know, what my, um, my actions are, what, uh, my purpose is, um, are my, the things that I do, are they for me? Are they for other people? You know, things like that was really neat. I really enjoyed that one. Hopefully they'll do that again this year, but probably not. Um, so, um, I just think it's important that we look back on our lives for the past year and just to see what our motives were. What what was our motivation when we did things? Was it for us? Was it for us to please God or was it just to please God himself and not not with us in the background or in the focus, you know? Um, You know, when you gave that money to the guy on the corner that was asking for money, you know, did you do it because... It might get you kudos with the Lord. hate to use that word. It's a terrible word to use. But I think it fits in this vernacular. Um, or did you do it because the guy was really hungry? Um, myself, what I do is when they ask for money for food, I, I offer to take them in for food. Or if they're outside of market, I'll... You know, well, what do you want? I'll pick it up for you and bring it out for you. I don't give money out because a lot of times it goes to drugs and alcohol and and other things. So, And, you know, a guy is more apt to get robbed for money than he is for a can of peas. So uh, nobody's going to walk up to him and say, give me all your peas. Uh, They will walk up to him and say, give me all the money that guy just gave you. So anyway... um, you know what what's your motivation what, what did you do things for why did you do them um you know it's um you married guys and married gals you know um did you do things for your spouse because you love them or you did you do it because um you wanted something in return you know um and don't get me wrong you know if if you're not being loved and you did something to get love in return, you know, that's, to me, that's not a selfish motive. Um, but if you did it to, you know, get a little more money or something from your husband or wife, uh, or, or something like that, if it was more of a, um, marital extortion, then maybe it's not a good thing. But, um, so, you know, why did you do what you did? Uh, who did you do it to? Um, who, what? Uh, who did you do it to? What did you do? When did you do it? Did you do it at a time it was convenient for you, or did you do it at a time when it was inconvenient, but it was just seemed like the right thing to do? Um, was it the right place? You know, one of the biggest things that bothers bothers me is correction um, in front of other people. Now I believe in correcting other people, and I believe that in being corrected. Okay, but I. There is a right time and a right place for everything. If the Lord tells you to talk to somebody and that person is standing there talking with 15 people, do you walk up and do you correct them in front of the 15 people? Or do you say, hey, can we go to a private place for just a couple of minutes? I need to talk to you about something. Being called out in front of other people is the worst thing you could ever do to somebody. Okay or doing things for other people in front of other people so that you can be seen is the wrong motive too. <laughs> um, so it's all about pride. It's all about is it about you or the other person? You know? Um, now there was a there was a time a few years ago. Um I was working down in Sacramento at a pharmacy and and I had a good friend and, and this guy was the kind of guy that if, if something bad can happen, it will. And I always felt bad for him, you know. He uh, he uh was a nice guy, but we used to call it, uh, back before I was saved, we used to call it a, a hard luck person, you know. Um It's just that things happened when they weren't supposed to. Um He was always out of money, you know, always scrimping and saving. He was married to a woman that um, thought money grew on trees. And uh they were in the poorhouse constantly because of her bad spending. Uh He could never keep up. So, um, you know, if he called me up and he said, hey, you know, can I borrow 20 bucks till payday? I'd say, sure. Heck, yeah. Come on over. And I always told him, I said, this is not a loan. This is a gift. If it's a loan, I'm going to expect it back. If it's a gift, it's money I gave you and I don't want nothing to do with it anymore. <laughs> and if you could do that, that's that's an excellent way to do things. Okay um however um one day um you know he came up and he was really in dire straits and um at the time, I was looking for another job because the job that I was in was really the pits man it was I had lousy supervisor, I had a couple of good uh coworkers, but most of them were Schlemilles and schlemazels. and um and I really wanted out of there, and I really thought I was stuck there but um so this friend called up and he said, hey, you know, I'm not going to ask you for any certain amount, but can you just help me out? I'm really in a bad way. And and all of a sudden, the 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 uh, the amount $200 popped into my head. And I said, yeah, I think I can give you a couple hundred dollars. I said, you know, I said, and again, it's a gift. I don't want to see it. You know, it never happened. It's just money that fell from heaven into your lap. Okay. And. um he agreed, and I gave it to him. Well, the neatest thing happened, and I didn't expect this to happen. You know, I had some applications out there for work, and and I, I kind of thought, well, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to get hired, so I just might as well get used to being miserable here in this place. And that very day, I got calls, two calls from two different employers, <laughs> and they started fighting over me. I kid you not. One would say, well, I'll pay you this many dollars an hour, and I, so I'd call the other one, and I'd say, well, you know, I want to accept your job, but, you know, this guy's going to pay me this. Well, I'll pay you that, you know, and I mean, I went back and forth. I, I felt kind of bad because I was supposed to be working, but I was making all these phone calls, getting a new job, and um, so, uh, you know, and then one would say, well, I, you know, we've got good benefits here. I, I'll give you... a." You know, I'll start you off on Blue Cross, Blue Shield right away. No, no 90-day waiting period. So, and I asked the other guy, and he, oh yeah, well we can do that. You know, and this, it was hilarious. It was going back and forth all day long. You know, and this has never happened to me before or since. And um, so finally, though, the one guy made me an offer that the other guy couldn't match. And it was good because that second guy went out of business, you know, about a year later and, um, I would have been stuck looking for a job again. But, um, anyway, so what did I tell you that story for is that I, first of all, I I gave because I didn't, I didn't want it back. I had a brother that needed it really bad. And, um, I was like, okay, well, you know, I've got it. And, and, uh, you know, even if it were to set me back a little bit, you know, I get paid in a few days and, and I'll be back up there and no big deal. And, and the end, his need was more important than mine and I didn't even know about getting hired by another person. But, um, anyway, it was kind of neat because it was, it was like the Lord was saying, okay, well, because you were that, that way, watch what happens. <laughs> I'll never forget that as long as I live. As long as I live, I'll never forget that those two guys fought over me, you know, for employment. And um, and I and I definitely got a good deal with the second one. Um, so anyway, so you know, who, what, when, where, why, how, you know, uh, how do you do things? You know, um, there have been times when. When, uh, okay, when I used to go to church down in, in Sacramento, Tom Mooney, uh, one of the best pastors I've ever had in my entire life, he uh, he was the chaplain for Union Gospel Mission down in Sacramento. And um, so his uh, church consisted of a lot of um, people that were not that well off. A lot of people were homeless that came to his church. Um, and... A lot of people were current or former drug abusers and we even had one guy that was a murderer that, uh, that was going to the church, um, had been cleared, but you know, by the courts, but it was clear that he had done what he did. Um, but we loved him, you know, that's what we're called to do. And, um, so, you know, you'd see people of all different kinds of persuasions coming in there and, um. I know that uh, because of where it was located in Sacramento at the mission, uh, when I would go out to eat or something before I'd go to church, I would um, be approached by people. And there were so honest people that approached me, and I'd, I'd say, well, you know, I'm going in this restaurant. Come on in. I'll buy you dinner. Okay? And they'd go in and gladly. And then there were other people that just wanted to scam you. Okay? And... I remember, uh, a couple, a couple, one guy walked up with a brand new New York Yankees hat on. Now, if you know me, you know I'm a Yankees fan. I always have been. I was born a Yankees fan, and I'll die one. And, uh, not to the point where I worship them or anything like that, but if you ask me who my favorite baseball team is, I'm going to tell you that. And that all of their team are losers. Um, but, brand new Yankees hat. As a matter of fact, it still had the, the label hanging off of it. It made me wonder if he stole the hat, but. Um, anyway, he was, uh, dressed, you know, dirty and stuff like that. And he came up and asked for money. And for some reason I looked at him and I said, you're asking me for money and you're wearing a brand new Yankees hat. I says, I can't even afford to go out and buy one of those right now. I'm said, I'm sorry, I can't do it. And what happened next showed me that what I'd done is right because he turned around and cursed me out for about 10 minutes and then walked away. And I said, well, I guess you didn't want money that bad, you know. (laughs) Um, you know, if you'd maybe tried again, maybe it would have worked. But since you're treating me this way, it's obvious that you're not a a good person of good reputation and I don't want to help you. Um, another, another time some guy walked up and this was ingenious. Um, he walked up. Now I was working in a, in a pharmacy that sold, um, Colostomy uh, products, colostomy bags, the stomas to put around the the wound and everything else. And basically, what a colostomy is, is when a person has their um, a lot of their colon removed, and uh, they use a bag, and the waste empties into a bag, and uh, you know they take that bag off, and put a new one on. So, uh, well, anyway, this guy, I don't know where he found it, but he found a colostomy bag. It wasn't used, but uh, but he filled it with dirt. <laughs> so he comes up to me and he shows me the colostomy bag and it's filled with dirt and, you know, little pieces of grass and stuff like that. He goes, can you give me money? I need to buy new colostomy bags. (laughs) And I said, I started laughing. I couldn't help it. I said, I said, you know what? I said, I'm going to give you 10 bucks. I said, because this is the best one that I've heard yet. I said, first of all, I said, if you're an indigent person, you can go to any pharmacy and get free colostomy bags if you really needed one. Um, second of all, tilled with dirt and I don't think that's what comes out of your intestines. I hope not anyway. I said, but it was such a good scam. I said that you should be rewarded for this. So I gave him the 10, 10 or 20 bucks. I can't remember now, but, and he thanked me and he walked away and I knew he was going to go out and do whatever with the money. You know, that was maybe the one exception that I made. and um, but, um, when, when we live in a society that, um, caters to people that are down on their luck, so to speak, I hate that word luck, but, um, I don't want to use misfortune because that's just saying bad luck again. Um, but when they're down and out and, um, and, and the society that you're living in affords them every possibility to make some, make something for themselves, um, In other words, what I'm saying is that uh, down in California, people that are poor have a big advantage over people that work for a living because they can get free food, free clothing, free lodging, lots of free stuff. And um, so with that being the case, now bear in mind that some people aren't educated, okay? They don't know they can get this stuff. And... Um, so part of my job was to let them know, okay, I felt anyway. well, I happened to be married to my first wife at the time, and uh she asked me to stop at the uh carn carnicaria uh or carniceria. it's uh the meat market basically um but they have a lot of other food there, and she wanted me to pick up some items and it I went to walk into the store. And there was a woman sitting out there, she looked disheveled, you know she was in old clothes and dirty clothes and and something wasn't quite right about her. The Lord spoke to me, and and I said, "Lord, please don't let her ask me for money, because I don't know what to say, you know and sure enough, she came over, she said, "Sir, you know do you have some money and i you know I got some sad story from her and I said. I said, here's the deal, you know, I said, I don't want to offend you, but they take a lot of money out of my paycheck every week for social services, and a lot of those social services mean food, clothing, and shelter for you, medical care, and everything else. I said, all you need to do is to find yourself a social worker, it's really easy to do, walk into any government office, you know, fire department or ask them where to send you and they'll send you there and you can you can live high in the hog. You'll have a place to live. You'll have food, um, medical care, whatever you need. And um, because I know that a lot of people like to live out on the streets, they don't want to be accountable to anybody. And part of that's pride. And a part of it, I feel, has to do with mental illness, too. Um. A lot of people that are out on the street have some degree of mental illness or spiritual illness. Maybe that's a better way to put it. But um, I said, so I'm not going to give you any money, but I gave you advice. And I said, and you, you know, you're you're look, you know, there's meat on your bones and stuff like that, so you're not starving. So uh, tomorrow, I said, just go someplace official and tell them that you know you want to do better for yourself. I said, do you understand that? She goes, yeah, I understand. And then she cursed me out. But um, anyway, so I felt that my duty to her was to tell her that she could get that help if she tried hard enough. And like I said, if she looked like she was skin and bones, I probably would have went in and got her something, you know. But for some reason, I just felt to tell her. My mission that day was to tell her that she could better herself, and here's how you do it. Um, What is that saying? If you teach a man to fish, you fed him for a day. No, if you feed a man a fish, you fed him for a day. If you teach him how to fish, you fed him for a lifetime. And that's what I was doing that day. So um, anyway, so who, what, when, where, why, and how when it comes to the things that you've done, the things that you reflect on, um, were they done for you? Were they done for the Lord? Were they done for your neighbor? You know, we're supposed to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And Jesus pretty was was pretty clear when he pointed out that our neighbor is just about everybody that's around us. Um when he, he gave us the um illustration about the good Samaritan, uh people that the Jews hated and basically said, Now this guy is your neighbor. Um so quit hating him. quit hating the Samaritans and if they need help help them. Um so anyway, I think it's a it's a good idea, Christians also uh at this time of year i mean you could do it any time of year and hopefully believers in jesus or yeshua do it all the time i mean you don't need one day of the year to to reflect on your actions and what you're doing but um uh a little illustration and and god will answer you and i want to prove it by giving you this little illustration too two that are kind of related um i'm the kind of guy that if i walk into a car dealership I usually walk out with a new car or a used car, but I don't walk out with the car that I brought there. It's a character flaw that I have and it keeps me away from car dealerships. I I I if I drive past them, I just keep driving, I don't stop. Well, my wife and I a few weeks ago decided um we were gonna look at new cars or used cars. Um what happened was we we had a bait and switch pulled on us, and we were we received a phone call supposedly from the um, a car dealership that we had visited at another time where we got our our car, as a matter of fact, and they said that they were offering deals on zero uh, percent financing for new and used cars, and I went, wow, zero for used car, I can handle that. Well. Well, we went over there and, and uh, found out that we had been misled, and I said, this is a bait-and-switch, and the guy agreed with me um, and said that he promptly went in and called the, the company that had called us and made that promise. If he did or not, well, I'll never know, but, um, so, but before we went there, we prayed. My wife and I did. Me and Barbara prayed about a lot of things, especially when it's long-term things like car payments for six or seven years. Or however many, and and that prayer was, please don't let us make a mistake. Please let us act wisely, and please don't let anybody try to hoodwink us or pull the wool over our eyes or offer us a deal that's too good to be true. And if it seems too good to be true, let us realize that it probably is. So we went to the car dealership, and that's when we realized that we'd been hoodwinked. Um, And then the guy tried to get us to buy a new car, and I'm sorry, but you know, new cars are nice, but I'm not going to spend uh, with the interest rates because with the with the new cars the interest rates were zero percent. But you know, we don't have stellar credit. We don't have bad credit, but we don't have stellar credit, so they couldn't offer us the zero percent. And um, so uh, we walked away from there and went to another car dealership. And I, because I said, well, to myself, I said, well you know, let's, let's just see, let's test the waters a little bit because this really isn't from the Lord. It's not going to happen at this other place either. And boy, did that go bad. So, uh, well, we walked out of there and I told Barbara, you know, I says, wow. I said, man, our prayers got answered because we, you know, we were walking out with no car. I mean, we, we had our car and it's still a good car. We're going to keep it. And we decided to do that. But, um, uh, we were given a good opportunity and a good deal to do something a couple of months before that, um, which we're, we were thankful for, and we prayed about that, and the Lord just gave us a, a wonderful blessing. And uh, anyway, so I think that when when it comes to Yom Kippur, when it comes for asking for forgiveness or reflecting on your life, if you ask Yahweh, if you ask Yeshua, uh what to do before you do it, then I think that it'll keep you from reflecting at the end of the year upon mistakes that you've made. (laughs) I know that makes sense. I know it's a very easy concept. And I know that, believe me, folks, I know that there's so many temptations out there, whether it's buying a new car or, you know, going out and buying a new house and then you know you make the deal and then after you sign the papers you realize how in the heck am i going to do this you know and then you're ask you're praying and you're asking god for help you know lord please you know get me a raise or or you know uh there's been times when we've made deals like that and um i come home and i go okay well let's see if we get rid of the like recently we we've done a big uh, readjustment in our finances and and I would encourage everybody to do this, especially with the way things are going <laughs> and in getting. Um, see, we, uh, we had Dish Network for a while, for quite a while. And um, we started to realize that things were going sour um, on television. Uh, we were seeing a lot of commercials that went against things that we believe in. Um, we do not uh, adhere to nor endorse the LGBT community um we don't condemn them we pray for for lesbians gays trans and everybody else um we were seeing things that were telling us that we should hate ourselves because of our race um we were seeing a lot of covid stuff that's not true and and I said to my wife I said you know we we let's get rid of dish network that way we can be choosy and pick what we want to watch cuz you know to be honest with you if you get amazon tv or if you get hulu uh some of that stuff you can skip through you know the commercials come on you just hit the forward button and it goes right there you don't have to watch the stupid commercials and so bam it takes care of that right and um but another thing that he's been dealing with too in that that aspect the lord has with us is what we watch um uh because of the ministry that I have, and, and my wife has a very similar ministry too. We work together a lot on things, and but we we deal a lot with um, helping people that are involved in the occult, praying for them, uh, praying them out of it if they want that, praying for people that are possessed and things like that. And um, so we we tend to watch things of uh, in that of people that are involved in that those sort of things so that we know. Uh, the devil changes or he rearranges, we should, I should probably say, because he never really changes. He just changes the packaging on things. But you need to know what that packaging is, you know. Um, if the devil takes, uh, well, let's just say it in a different way. Let's say, um, you know, if I were to take a present that I meant to give, Somebody for Christmas and it would be applicable for their birthday and I never gave it to him for Christmas. I wouldn't give him Christmas paper, right? I'd change it to birthday paper. (laughs) Um, So that's what the devil does. He changes the uh, the wrapping of things um, so that it fits the time and season that he's trying to deceive people. And no, I wasn't deceiving somebody by giving him a present I was going to give him for some other time. It just worked out that way. I got him something else for Christmas that, or not Christmas, but uh, for the holidays. And, um, so anyway, um, with that in mind, so we, we need to know how the devil is or how Satan is, uh, repackaging things so that we know how to address it. And, um, so that's why we, we watch things of, uh, that nature. You know, we watch a lot of, um, things about ghosts because they're, they're coming out with new stuff about ghosts. You know, we, um, we know that ghosts are demonic entities. They're not the dearly departed relatives that, you know, passed on a couple of years ago, coming back to tell us, you know, um, that they still love us and stuff like that. No, they're familiar spirits that hung around those people and, uh, want to lie to us and, and fool us and trick us. Um, so, so we watch these things in order to, to get an education and to keep up basically with trends and things like that. So we know how to minister. Um, but, uh, so, you know, we getting back to rearranging things and and looking towards the future. So we got rid of that. And then we got rid of a few other things that, um, uh, what was one of them? Um, oh yeah. Okay. There, there was one. We, uh, when it comes to hard work and labor anymore, I'm kind of lazy. Um, that's why I do what I do as a, for a living. I don't have to work very hard. Um, it's m- more. Most of my work is um, using my mind. It's uh, it's mental. It's assessing and um, trying to figure out why people are doing what they're doing, and and writing down and documenting and stuff like that. Um, I worked hard physically for many years um but uh, when i first moved up to uh oregon actually should I say about a, a year after that we had to move all of our stuff hers and mine all of our our storage stuff into a storage unit and it was um at the time it was kind of close to where we were living but now it's 40 minutes away and uh over those years you know the unit had leaked so you know there it smelled like mold in a couple of the units and um, so we got some stores that was a lot closer. It's only seven minutes away and uh so uh over the period of i don't know how long it's been a while now, but uh, we've been moving stuff over and getting ready to close out the other account because why should we pay eighty one dollars to one company for the same square footage that we're paying fifty five to another so we're we're gonna get a thirty dollar break right um so you know we're doing all things like that to get ready because we know that um, we're getting older. You know I um, I don't know how many work years I have left ahead of me. You know I mean work in in the capacity I'm working now. Um, I don't know if I'm going to retire at 65. I don't know if I'll be able to retire at 65. Um, so all these things you know we we keep looking at planning and you know what if this happens what if that happens you know and stuff like that and and we're and we're getting quite adept at it um so we don't want to burden our children with things after we're gone so we're trying to slowly but surely get rid of a lot of the garbage that we have plus we don't want to have debt uh for them to inherit we want uh when anything happens to us God willing if we're still in this house um, you know they could sell the house and get the equity and and, you know get some money out of it and and things like that so um, and that's an unselfish thing right there you know we we want them to prosper we want them to have something good after we're gone Um, so on Yom Kippur um, I know that I mentioned that the Orthodox, conservative, reformed, and, um, uh, Reconstructionists to some degree. Reconstructionists don't do much. They're basically Jews by name and that's it. Um, and they know a few prayers and that's about it. But anyway, um, you know, they all, uh, most of them, they'll fast and, um, and ask God for forgiveness and, uh, and thank Him for His forgiveness and think themselves, um, inscribed in the Book of Life for another year. Um We know my wife and I and other messianics and as well as Christians know that our sins were not covered, washed away. See the Jews that practice Yom Kippur uh let's let's go back let's go back in time um, let's go back to the temple days. Um, God said in Leviticus that if they were uh, on the day of atonement, if they were to bring an animal to jerusalem to the temple give it to the priest that the priest would i think that the person given the animal would would uh, lay his hand on the animal and it was symbolic of that person and his family sin transferring to the animal and then the animal was slaughtered and then the blood was sprinkled on the altar okay and that was the animal sacrifice and uh but after the temple, that stopped. I mean, you know, if you don't have a temple, you can't have sacrifices. So what the rabbis did is they instituted prayer. You can be forgiven for, through prayer, which is not biblical. I'm sorry. It is not biblical um, in Old Testament theology to pray and think you're going to be forgiven. And, and even when they were would, would offer the animal, their sin was covered. It wasn't washed away. Because every year they'd have to go back and do the same thing on Yom Kippur. So you see that nowadays the prayer has substituted the sacrifice. Um, But those of us that believe that Yeshua was our sacrificed lamb, that he was God in the flesh because only God could come down and and be sacrificed in in order to satisfy his own requirements. So he came down, he was sacrificed. And if you heard our show a few weeks ago with Jonathan Gray, when um, you heard him say that uh, when the blood had poured down jesus or yeshua and had gone into the crack and had gone down and fell on the mercy seat of the ark of the covenant which is below gogotha um which was really neat it meant that the sacrifice was was accomplished here on earth and then um i think it's in hebrews i think it is yeah uh paul talks about when yeshua had entered heaven he took some of his blood and he sprinkled it on the tabernacle in heaven and we're forever get forgiven from our sins. But that's like I said, it doesn't mean that we don't have to confess them, you know? Um, and how do you do that? You know, that's kind of like a mystery, you know, cause you're forgiven for something and technically you shouldn't have to confess cause you're forgiven, but you're still told in scripture, you need to confess. And it says one to another, but, you know, I I consider Yeshua to be my brother as well as my Lord. He's my kinsman redeemer. And so, you know, confessing to him, I believe, is just as good as confessing to my brothers and sisters. Of which, technically, he's one of them anyway. But anyway, um, so a lot of times, you know, in prayer, I'll be, okay, Lord, here's the deal. I know that you've forgiven me already. I know that your blood is atoned for my sacrifice or for my sins, that your sacrifice is sufficient. And I said, but it doesn't give me an excuse to go around doing things that either I I did through not knowing I was doing them at the time or or deliberately doing them. I said, it's not right that you had to suffer for me to do that. So I'm going to confess this, this sin before you. And tell you that I did it. And I thank you for forgiving me, (laughs) you know. um, So I think that that's uh, very important for us to do. So every day for a believer should be Yom Kippur. But it should be a day of recognizing our atonement and confessing our sins to the Almighty. And then celebrating with him in our midst, even if it's just you, he's there with you. To celebrate with him in, their, in his midst, or with him in your, with him in your midst, that is, and just thank him and say, "I'm I'm celebrating, Lord. I'm having this feast because of you." And someday, um, someday that ram horn's going to blow, and there's something that's going to happen, and he, in Greek it's called a harpazo. Uh, Christians refer to it as the rapture. It comes from a Greek word. I think it's rap, rapturo or something like that. And uh it means a snatching away, a taking away, a sudden grabbing away. And Paul talks about it in um Greece says for we, all, we shall all not sleep, but in the twinkling of an eye some of us are changed, and then the rest of us who are still remain will be will join them will be changed and join them in the air. And um, so a lot of people equate and I do too, that the blowing of the trumpet, because it said that the Lord's gonna come down with the trumpet with an angel blowing a trumpet. And that's and then that sequence I explained is going to happen. And, um, and it also says that we're going to go to heaven and we're going to do something. Uh, we're going to be married to the Lord, actually, because the church is his bride. And um, then we're going to celebrate the wedding feast of the Lamb. And it's not going to be a sad day. It's not going to be a day of atonement. It's going to be a day of celebration. So let's start celebrating it early. Um, by having a feast during Yom Kippur and thanking him for his forgiveness, for his sacrifice. Um, while at the same time reflecting on ourselves and what we've done and, and telling him, Hey, you know, I, I blew it back in January or whatever. I did this or September. I did this. I recognize that it's a sin that I sinned against your law, but I also recognize that you died for me. And you died to um, not just cover my sins, but to wash them away. And I recognize you did that. And I thank you for that. And please help me not to do that again. So, um, so anyway, after, um, we go to be with him, he comes back and comes back to earth and establishes justice on earth and tabernacles with mankind. And that's what Sukkot is, the feast of tabernacles, um, that's going to be an interesting period in our history. <clears throat> it's going to be a blessing. Oh my goodness. It's going to be a blessing. I can't wait for that day. But, um, so anyway, I hope I've given you kind of a perspective of a messianic look at Yom Kippur. Um, a little bit of an education of how, uh, religious Jews look at Yom Kippur. Um, and someday, someday, hopefully very soon, um, the Jewish nation is going to realize their need for Yeshua. Their their eyes are going to be open. The scales are going to be removed from their eyes. And they're going to recognize that Yeshua is their Messiah. And there's a little thing that they're going to say, and it's Baruch Hababashem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. When you start hearing Jews, Jewish people, say that. Um, and I'm talking about new converts or people that aren't even converts yet. Um, boy, you better start looking up because he's coming back any second. Um, from when you hear that. Um, so just keep the faith and and keeping the knowledge that uh while this world stinks and sucks and everything else that it's not gonna last forever. It's uh it's coming to an end, it's spiraling down pretty quick. And uh when it finally does, it's um uh, it's a time of gonna be a time of blessing. Um I'm not gonna oh, how do I say this? There there are three doctrines or one doctrine but three different ways to look at it. I mentioned the harpazo earlier, uh the snatching away that Christians call the rapture. Um there's, there's three there's pre post and after um there's a lot of people especially in the western uh Western Europe and in the United States that believe that we're gonna that the church is going to be pulled out before all everything- before it hits the fan let's put it that way. I don't see any indication of that I don't see anything biblical about that um yes, there are a few things you could look at and kind of twist to make it look like that but uh, you know, it'd be awful fair unfair to all the Chinese and uh uh new Muslim converts that are suffering right now to tell them that the church in America who's who's pretty dirty right now, um, is gonna be called clean and taken up. No, there's gonna be some persecution that happens to the church by the world. The Bible says that uh God's people are not called unto his wrath doesn't mean that we're not going to receive the wrath of the world, okay? I mean, we are already. Um, You live in California, you're receiving the wrath of the world because secular people are telling you, you can't go to church, you can't worship. Um, So that's that's a mild form of wrath, but um, it will get more severe. And um after man's wrath, uh God's gonna pull us out of here and he's gonna say, That's it, and I'm gonna now I'm gonna show them what wrath is all about and I wouldn't want to live on the earth at that time, and no believer is gonna live on the earth at that time. Um God's gonna do he's gonna clean this house, he's gonna clean this earth, and he's gonna prepare it for his son to come back, and he's gonna come back and it's gonna be a glorious time. And then there's people like me that believe that um um uh, that'll happen in the middle that that calling away, that snatching away will happen in the middle because the first half will be the time of when man persecutes us. The second half will be God's wrath, which I just explained, I guess. Um, And uh, we won't be here. We'll be at the marriage feast of the Lamb, getting ready to return with him because we will. Scripture is quite clear about that. And then there's the people that say that, you know, Christians are going to go all the way to the end. I can't find a biblical evidence for that anywhere. Um, so I can't, I can't accept that as a viable theory, not even a theory, um, other than a doc, it's, it's not a doctrine at all, as far as I'm concerned. So anyway, um, big things are coming folks. Big things are coming. Um, while we're, while I exhort you to prepare for the future, I also exhort you to not get a, not get anxious about the future okay cuz there's really nothing you can do about it um just know that in the end we win um the, there's a lot in, in every war there's a lot of battles and some battles the good side wins the other ba- battles the bad side wins but the good side for the most part as far as i can see in history always tends to win the war and for the for sure, when it comes to God, when uh being on the good side or being the good side um we're definitely gonna win so uh, look toward the future for good things to happen, but realize that we have to go through a lot before it happens um If you've ever been on a a long walk to go somewhere, you realize that sometimes when you're walking, it rains on you. Sometimes um, you have to walk through puddles. Other times uh, you might have to walk over some ground that's muddy. Um, But you keep walking until you get where you're going. And when you get where you're going, you're glad because you've reached your goal. So that's what this is like. And stay on that narrow path. Don't get on that wide path with all the people of the world. Cause they'll drag you down and you'll become like one of them and then talk about days of atonement. My goodness. Uh, Yom Kippur's, you really be sitting around asking for forgiveness. Um, anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and end it here. I'm getting kind of tired and, um, I got a couple other things I want to do before I, I go to bed, but, uh, so it kind of gives you a little bit of an insight of uh, the days that are coming up here in, um, September. um, if you have Jewish people you work with, you might realize that they're not at work, and that's why. Um, so, well, just be blessed, and um, remember, you're a sinner saved by grace. You don't have a, you've got a get-out-of-jail-free card, but you can only play it when the Lord tells you to play it, okay? Um, and it doesn't give you a license to go out and sin any you want to, thinking that you're forgiven, Okay. So, with that having been said, I'm going to end this here. Uh don't forget to tune in tonight at 6:30 Pacific, 9:30 Eastern when the four of us will be talking about the possible uh connection between the uh, the current use of adrenochrome and the uh the woman in Revelation 17 that um is drunk on the the blood of the saints. And also the return of uh a really bad guy. So, uh, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 Eastern on Opposing the Matrix. Uh, www.spreaker.com forward slash opposing dash the dash matrix. It'll get you there. And um, if you can't listen live, you can stream it later or you can download it. Or if you want to, you can go to the um, the Delusion Resistance at delusionresistance.org. The top of the page there's a little link that um, you click on it takes to the archives and every show that jim and i have done that jim and i and eric have done that uh there's a few that i did with frank Castanet. uh they're all there and you can download any one of you any one of them you want okay so in the meantime (laughs) go into bed have a good night and uh talk to you tomorrow god bless bye